Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall so fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall so. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Chris Chapman's fired up. We've got a schedule. The 2021-22 schedule has been released. We're going to get into that with our special guest co-host today, the voice of the Golden Knights, Dan Duva. Hey, Dan, how you doing today? Ryan, and should I say Ric Flair or Chris Chapman back there? That is <laughs> that is very impressive. Very impressive as always, Chapman. Very good. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. How you guys so, doing? It's been a while. It has been a while, and, and I guess we can probably start there and just kind of catching up with you, Dan. What have you been up to since the end of the season, since Game 6 against the Montreal Canadiens? Well, first of all, it, it was just a great run, and like so many Golden Knights fans, and, and you guys, I'm sure, not ready for it to be over. You know, when that goal goes in and overtime in Montreal – it's a, it's a strange feeling to wake up and, and not be preparing for another Golden Knights game broadcast. And while there was enough to sort of um, eat up our time there in the immediate days after, you know, watching the Stanley Cup Finals, of course, Tampa Bay and Montreal, not to say I was surprised by the outcome, but, boy, Tampa Bay, two cups in a row, that's just so incredibly difficult to accomplish this day and age. And uh, then do you start to, you know, turn the page to what's next? And uh, I think you guys know uh, how much I enjoy the game of baseball. And when I was in college, I broadcast baseball in the Cape Cod League. So uh, after seeing some family home in New Jersey, made it up to Cape Cod and help out some of the student broadcasters there and got back to Vegas just a few days ago in time for the the program here today and the draft coverage we've got coming up tomorrow and Saturday. Uh, Lots to talk about with the schedule and the draft and the Kraken and everything else. So uh, a little uh, hockey interlude amid a a college baseball (laughs) summer season is what's been on the docket for Dan. You know, Dan, it's interesting that we are kind of in this this headspace right now looking ahead to next season because we just had the expansion draft. The entry draft is tomorrow. You you alluded to the special programming that we've got tomorrow, 4.30, the draft special airs uh, with the Golden Knights. You're going to be a part of it. And then also a, a special draft show on Saturday morning as well, rounds two through seven. Uh, but, you know, there's still some things left to do on the calendar for this season. If free agency opens up next week, July 28th is going to be a big day. And we've got schedules to talk about. And I think for me, just in terms of assessing this offseason as opposed to last offseason, all the uncertainty, when would schedules come out? When would there be an agreement reached about playing a 2020-21 season? Right now, all we have to do is is start getting focused and ready for what's to come, what's next. And I think it's pretty awesome that we're here right now with a schedule of games to look forward to. Oh, you, you said it, Ryan. That's exactly right. And when we were at this point in time a year ago, 
we were gearing up for the Golden Knights' return to play. Phase three, getting ready for the training camp leading into the round robin and the Stanley Cup playoffs up in the bubble in Edmonton. Uh, you know, that, that was a year ago. We hadn't even finished the Stanley Cup. We haven't hadn't even started the Stanley Cup playoffs at this time last year. And, of course, we didn't know when the next season would begin. And you remember it was very much, we'll wait and see, uh, maybe around mid-November, uh, then just after Thanksgiving, sometime the first couple of weeks of December. Hey, how about right after Christmas, New Year's Day? And by the time we actually started, it was January 13th. And, uh, you know, I'd spent some time home with family in New Jersey during that period. And I had a flight that I just kept pushing back and pushing back because we didn't know. And it was a relief when we finally did have a schedule. We did have a start time. And now here we are, October 12th. October 12th, which is just (laughs) slightly later than it would normally be. It's just about a week later um, than you would typically have the first game of a season, and that's understandable given that the playoffs went a month longer than they normally would. And, uh, you know, I've just begun to pick apart the schedule here. And, you know, some folks uh, who are friends of mine who live in different cities around North America, they want to know when are the Golden Knights coming. We want to see the team play. You know, we want to see Dan perhaps also. But we really want to see the Golden Knights when they come to town. (laughs) You know, all of that stuff. So I have only just begun to sort of sift through the schedule here. But there's, uh, I suppose, Ryan, we've got the time here on the radio to go through it. But I I am so excited when I got word that the schedule would be coming out today. And I was was relieved that uh, they got it in before we came on the air. Yeah, 100 percent. I'm I'm with you there. And as I started to kind of parse through preliminarily the, the schedule, the one that jumps out at me and it's obvious for a number of different reasons is the season opener Tuesday, October 12th against the Seattle Kraken, the Kraken's first game in franchise history will be against the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. What do you make of that matchup in terms of the Kraken going on the road to start their season, to start their franchise, but also in having that game be against the Vegas Golden Knights? You had no fear that Seattle would be compared to Vegas for a Mm -hmm. number of obvious reasons. But if we're going to compare Seattle to Vegas from the outset, might as well play against each other, right? So uh, the, the new kids on block uh, play the slightly older kids on the block. But we think back to what it was like the first week or two of the Golden Knights season. Of course, the October 1 massacre would just uh, set everything in motion for the coming days. And, and we could talk about that uh, as we have so often over the years. But from a strictly hockey standpoint, that Vegas went on the road to Dallas on the road, Arizona, and then came back. That third game was at home to begin a long homestand, and we remember how successful they were uh, winning every game except for that one against Detroit in game four. But here for Seattle to start on the road against the Golden Knights, you know, th- there's at least the division matchup there. When Vegas played Dallas, that was, you know, Obviously, a couple years later, the Knights would meet the Stars in the conference final. But at that point, I, I remember scratching my head a little bit, like, of all the teams they could have chosen, why Dallas? <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> it was fine. Vegas, of course, got the win. Arizona made a little bit more sense, given uh, their proximity and the desert nature of Vegas and Phoenix. And uh, then to come back home for all those games, you throw in an original six in Detroit, and on and on and on. So uh, to get a division game in here, uh, for Vegas and Seattle, I think that's as much a component of this as anything, and and we'll see. I mean, you know, the the players that Seattle selected last night versus what sort of a lineup they'll have on October 12th could be 
uh, different. As we know, there are plenty of things that can happen between now and October 12th. But I think it's great. Might as well throw them uh, right on the fire. And it'll also be nationally broadcast as part of ESPN's doubleheader uh, to start the season. So that will be part of the doubleheader national coverage. Uh, No surprise there. And obviously we'll have all the play-by-play on the radio, but that'll be a national broadcast on ESPN. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think you know, just in terms of the new TV deal with ESPN with uh, Turner Sports, I'm excited about what that's going to bring to the table. How much it's going to impact, hopefully, more fans as an introductory point to the game. But you know, for me, for the Golden Knights to be a part of that first broadcast, I think that's going to be very special, and it'll be cool to see Vegas and Seattle on the ice together and kicking things off the way that it should be. The the second date that jumps out to me, especially in October, is October 22nd versus the Edmonton Oilers. Listen, Connor McDavid went absolutely bananas in the regular season last year, and we never got to see it firsthand. We had to watch it on TV. I personally am looking forward to the 22nd because I get to finally see Connor McDavid in person, back on the ice, and I couldn't be more excited for that. Yeah, the last time that we had a hockey game before the COVID pause was in Edmonton, and that was the last time that we had seen Connor McDavid in person. And, of course, this past year uh, there were uh, no games between the Golden Knights and the Oilers, so it's been that long. It will have been that long. And a reminder that Edmonton is in the same division as the Golden Knights again, right? <laughs> so here it is. You've got Seattle, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Edmonton, those four, first four games. And we now have to remind ourselves that the Blues are not in the division anymore, right? They're, they're back in the Central, Vegas, <laughs> yeah. back in the normal Pacific with Edmonton, with Los Angeles and Seattle. And then there you've got the New York Islanders. That's an interesting Eastern contra- Conference interlude. And then in Denver against the Avalanche, in Dallas, again, teams that uh, we have seen in the last year or so with some rivalries and playoff matchups with Colorado and Dallas, uh, but not in the same division as Vegas. Then you've got the Ducks uh, there to round out the month of October. So uh, some divisional games, some conference games, and then you throw in the one against the Islanders. That makes for an interesting month of October, but no long homestand. Um, you know, you get three in a row at home um, and, you know, a couple on the road here. It's not the way it started way back uh, in 2017 where the Knights were uh, in town for, uh, what was it, eight games, Uh, you know, the long stretches of games at home early on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, one thing that I was kind of hopeful would would be a carryover from the 2020-21 season into this upcoming season would be uh, the homestands, right? The the two games in a row against the same opponent. As I'm looking through the schedule right now, it doesn't appear that that is a direction the NHL went. I was hopeful that it would because I thought that it it, kind of gave a little bit more uh, in terms of some rivalries at times. And I do think that it cuts back a little bit on, on that travel. But when you've got 32 teams and you've got as much travel that's happening in the NHL in a regular season, I just don't know logistically if it was something that was workable. You know, there's a few things here. First of all, I'm disappointed that those series did not continue into the schedule this year. I remember talking a couple years ago with Jonathan Taves of the Chicago Blackhawks, who had been advocating for more series scheduling. And as the Chicago Blackhawks leader, he was thinking about how much travel that team does, and that's where he's been his whole career. But you think about Chicago, oh, it's centrally located. They can get everywhere pretty easily. 
That's true. But the schedule makers, in essence, take advantage of that. So they don't have prolonged homestands. They just do a little bit more jet-setting out to Winnipeg for a day. Then they come home, but then they go out to New York for a day. And then they come back to Chicago. Rather than, say, when Vegas goes east, uh, you know, there's this one stretch here where they'll go on the road and play uh, in Toronto, in Ottawa, in Montreal, in Detroit. That's sort of a, a northeast run. Chicago doesn't have trips like that, typically, uh, because of where they're so centrally located. Uh, that makes it more miles. Really, it's more flights that teams in the middle of the country have to take. And so it was Taves who had brought up this idea of series. And you think about baseball, how series, you know, you get a team settled in the same town for a few days. And I can tell you just from personal experience this last year, to go to St. Louis and rather to go in just for a night, broadcast a game, hop on a flight, and then you're off to the next place. It was a lot more comfortable, and I felt that I could really find some grounding to be in the same city for a few days. Uh, you get a lay of the land. You get to talk to the reporters, the broadcasters, to the players and coaches. We hope to be back in the locker rooms, of course, to have that access again, uh, which we all had on Zoom this past year. But, uh, again, I, I think the idea of a series from that standpoint, you know, the, the rest and less travel, the players I would imagine the large majority of players would prefer that. From a hockey standpoint, you would think that if you play the same team a couple of times in a row, it fuels the rivalry. It fuels the the anger between two clubs. It, it's sort of like Act One and Act Two. Well, here Vegas won, you know, the first game in St. Louis five to one. How do the Blues bounce back in Game Two? Uh, it, it sort of takes something away if you don't have that second act. Uh, if you only play the Blues once and then you don't see them again for two months, as an example. So I thought from a hockey standpoint, it made a lot of sense, too, along with the health of the players, saving money on uh, airplane travel. And then thirdly, I, I suppose the, the counter-argument from a team standpoint would be, let's say you're the New Jersey Devils and you're not very good, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are coming to town, and as a, a Devils fan, you maybe only go to a handful of games a year and you want to see Sidney Crosby. Well, if Crosby's coming to town and he's playing on Friday night and Sunday, you're only going to go to one of those two. But maybe yeah. if the Penguins come back a couple months later, well, then maybe you'd see him, you know, that second time around as well. That's sort of the, the logic, I think, that the teams have. I'm not sure I buy into it. Um, so that's my <laughs> personal opinion on the series. I, I think it was great, whether it was a team coming in for a couple or for us to travel to a particular city. Uh, I think there's only one instance of that actually occurring where the Knights will play uh, in the same place for more than one day, March 30th and April 1st in Seattle. That's a Wednesday and a Friday. As far as I can tell, it's the only road city where the Knights will play more than one game uh, without having to go someplace else. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the series, too. I, I feel like it was something about last season that really, really clicked for me just in terms of, of my enjoyment watching the game. I, you mentioned those those that second game of the series where you had an opportunity. If you lost in game number one, you come back with a little bit different edge, and I thought it really did progress the hockey forward. But I do want to circle back to one of the games you mentioned in, in, in November, and that's November 6th at Montreal inside the Bell Center, the first time the Golden Knights will travel to the Bell Center since losing in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup semifinals. Are you excited about that semifinal rematch? Oh, yeah. I, I simply hope that when we go to Montreal that it, it is 
in a condition that allows us to go and enjoy Montreal <laughs> because when uh, <laughs> when Gary Lawless and I were there and of course when the team was there for the, the third round series we were essentially sequestered in the hotel we could go to the arena on NHL uh, shuttle buses and back to the hotel and nowhere else and one of the great pleasures of traveling with an NHL team is enjoying the city you visit so from that standpoint yes I, I look forward to going to Montreal in November the weather should be uh, nice enough still on November 6th that you could still enjoy the city again hoping that everything goes well in terms of health but from a hockey standpoint I also hope that that building is full because while there were 3,500 fans in attendance uh, permitted inside, you know, we were locked inside the arena for a while after the game because there were tens of thousands of people on the streets of Montreal. You know how much they love the team there, and who knows how the, the season will start. But you would imagine the hopes are buoyed by how far they got this year. Uh, Carey Price, you know, managed to, to turn back the clock a little bit. Who knows how, how good he'll be. Uh, it was a lackluster regular season, great in the playoffs for Carey Price. Um, how many players uh, does Montreal retain, or how many might they acquire? What does the Montreal team look like uh, compared to the team that defeated the Golden Knights? So anytime going to come back home, the big game against Tampa Bay, the big game against Los Angeles, uh, there was the win flurry against Carolina. That was sort of in that sphere uh, where you were wondering is the Golden Knights strong start a fluke or are they really that good and they proved themselves right the challenge was there and they passed the challenge I wonder if that'll be the sort of thing here for the Golden Knights no doubt that they're favored to be the best team in the division the question will then be okay where are they among the NHL's elite clubs across the board and, you know, after the way the Boston's season ended, I see at Boston, at New Jersey, at the Rangers, at the Islanders, and, of course, the way the Islanders' season ended, those are two tough games at the beginning and at the end of that trip. Then you come home and look out. Here come the Tampa Bay Lightning, <laughs> the two-time Stanley Cup champions. And then you've got, a, obviously, you've got the Christmas break in there, uh, and you play Colorado right after the Christmas break. So, uh, And then you've got uh, – a few other divisional games like that'll put the spotlight on beating the Kings, the Ducks, those clubs that are, you know, still in the, you know, the rebuilding mode, who knows how further along they might be at that point. We tend to kind of just say, Oh, the Kings were not very good. The Ducks were not very good last year. Well, by December 23rd, the Kings could be quite different. Uh, the Ducks could be quite different than how we remember them from way back in, let's say, April or May of 2021. So, anyhow, I, I think that you're right to point out that stretch in the schedule, especially when the Tampa Bay Lightning come to town. I still think of that 4-3 to three game Shea Theodore scores in the last few seconds. That still stands out to me as a, one of the best regular season games in Golden Knights history because Tampa was the best team in the NHL at that point, and Vegas beat them. And then you think about what Tampa has done in the few years since, had the great regular season, then the first-round sweep loss against Columbus, and then since then, two Stanley Cup championships. I think that that is going to be a barometer for any team, and we'll see if the Lightning are still as good, regardless of what the roster looks like for the Bolts. Anytime that anybody plays Tampa Bay, it's going to be a measuring stick. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you look to to the team that won it. You look to how you can can match up against the champions. And when anytime you have an ability to go one on one against the Tampa Bay Lightning this season, it's it's a an opportunity to prove just exactly what type of team you are. And for the Golden Knights, a team we expect to be very very good next season, a team that we expect to be the class of the Pacific Division. Surely, uh, they're going to want to establish themselves as one of the elite teams in the league. This seems like a good place to to pause for a moment. When we come back, we're going to get through the rest of the schedule. We're also going to play a little bit of a game with the Seattle Kraken. If you were a fan, think about this. If you were a fan right now, whose jersey would you get? Which player selected last night would mm. you put on your first Kraken jersey if you were a fan? We're going to get to that. We're also going to bring in Ryan Clark of The Athletic. He covers the Seattle Kraken. We're going to get a, a, a boots-on-the-ground idea of what it was like last night at the expansion draft. All that coming up next on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Going to let this breathe. Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Fox Sports Las Vegas special guest host. Dan Duva joining me, and we're breaking down, getting into the nitty-gritty of the Golden Knights 2021-22 NHL schedule. It was released just about an hour ago. I thought, Ryan, you were going to have me sing there. Wasn't that the idea? I thought we were going to do Springsteen all program. (laughs) You know, we can can do that. Um, Listen, I promise you the next Springsteen rejoin that we have, I'm not even going to bring us back. Okay. I'm not going to bring us back. I'm going to let you uh, let it breathe. If you want to sing, sing. Like, that's what we're all about here. So I promise, Chapman, you better have something ready to go, something that's awesome for the next one. Well, and I, 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 I knew Dan was going to be on the show, and I know Dan is a huge Springsteen guy, so I, I, yeah. I prepared. I have, I have a couple of other Springsteen songs ready to go. That's great. And, of course, I mean, not that we want to talk about this now, but perhaps later. <laughs> There was a controversy about the opening lyrics to Thunder Road, the song that was just played. Uh, There there was a whole thing, and, you know, Bruce didn't come out and say whether it was Sways or Waves, and everybody was talking about it. We could get to that later because I'd rather talk about the schedule that we have uh, just gotten from the National Hockey League, and Bruce can can wait to the next uh, part of the show. So where we, we left off in terms of the schedule, we get to the end of the year, looking ahead into January. And, you know, there was a, a, a trip toward the end, a, a road trip for the Golden Knights that, Dan, you looked at and you said, that's an interesting one. Right. You know, so you've got, you know, the homestand there from New Year's Eve. Again, po- worth pointing out, New Year's Eve at home, Anaheim, yes. December 31st, right? Got to point that out. Uh, but then another home game on January 2nd. So New Year's Day is a day off. So a, a recovery day in there, I suppose. Back at it on Sunday the 2nd and continuing a homestand, Nashville, and then the New York Rangers. And it's funny to see how there are some opponents or some trips that pop up on the schedule regularly. Granted, it's only year five and year four was quite strange, but like the Rangers there on January 6th, it was January 8th 
that they came to Vegas in 2018. You know, the trip that you mentioned when they go to Washington, Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, you know, that's a similar kind of swing as we have seen uh, and similar time of year as well for some of these trips. It, it's it's kind of neat, and you sort of get in the habit of knowing when a certain team is going to come to town. Like, as a kid, I knew that, like, the Harlem Globetrotters always came to the Meadowlands around my birthday in February, right? It was like you circle that on the calendar. It's like if you're a Rangers fan and you live in Las Vegas or perhaps you're a former Rangers fan but you still want to see the Golden Knights beat up on the old club, you know that the Rangers are probably going to be in Vegas sometime in early January, and there it is. And then if you uh, feel like heading from, uh, you know, the – colder climates if one is so inclined and you want to see vegas uh down south on the east coast there you go head to sunrise and head to tampa and see the team down there in florida and we remember like they played in carolina just after having played uh during the just after the bye week it was boston before the bye week and then carolina after the bye week so just some interesting threads uh through the first few years some similarities so to speak but that'll be an interesting trip because again Like I talked about a few moments ago, uh, when the Knights have that trip, Boston, New Jersey, Rangers, Islanders, it starts and ends with some pretty good teams. And this trip in late January similarly starts with Washington, ends with Tampa Bay. You start and end with the tough teams, puts a little bit more pressure on winning those games in the middle of the trip. Yeah, it absolutely does. And when you look at the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers and the step that Florida took this season to becoming one of those teams that that I think belongs in a playoff race, playoff consideration. For sure. Those that four that four game stretch is going to be a difficult one for the Golden Knights toward the toward the end of January. And then it sets up Vegas coming home for a game in February, February 1st against the Buffalo Sabres. And then I think the event that we're all kind of really looking forward to in the regular season, the All-Star Weekend at T-Mobile Arena. That will be Friday and Saturday, February 4th and 5th. And I I can't really accurately express how excited I am to be (laughs) in and around this city for an NHL All-Star game. I think that the energy is just going to be through the roof. Yeah, I've been to one NHL All-Star Weekend. It was the year that it was held in San Jose, and the Golden Knights' lone All-Star that year was Marc-Andre Fleury. And mm-hmm. it was also the year they experimented with the um, the NHL data tracking stuff, and there was a whole separate broadcast where that data was thrust upon the viewer in a way it was not on the normal broadcast. So I remember seeing you know some of that and... Um, how NBC was orchestrating that data, getting to see the separate TV truck and talking with some of the people who were orchestrating that. But just to be around uh, a hockey event that I was not doing the play-by-play for, that was strange. I remember sitting you know, in, in sort of a media area not too far from where we normally call the games, but just sort of looking around like, wow, I, I don't have to do anything right now. I could just watch. I don't have to talk. That was strange. But it is neat, Ryan, and you know this from all the different events that have been part of the Golden Knights young history because Vegas has been all over the place with the Stanley Cup final and other events that have taken place here. When the hockey world descends upon your city, there is no shortage of interesting characters that pop up, such is the case at (laughs) All-Star Weekend. And I I think that while maybe some destinations are not as uh, clearly sought after as others, Uh, I think a lot of people will be happy (laughs) to come to Vegas, right? So uh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. We'll see uh, who who makes the team, right? That's the special thing 
the hometown all-star. And uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has been a regular presence for the Golden Knights at all-star events. And uh, whether it's it's he or someone else from the Golden Knights, that uh, gets a lot of attention uh, when you're the host team. And, and normally the host team gets its share of all-stars, maybe more so than it would yeah. if it were not hosting. So we'll have an eye on that, too. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend, one to definitely circle on your calendar and look forward to. And then there's a break in the action uh, for the the All-Star weekend and then the 2022 Olympics. Now, there's still some things to be ironed out as to whether or not NHL players will be at the 2022 Winter Olympics, but the break is in this schedule, so the Golden Knights wouldn't return back to action until February 25th at the Arizona Coyotes and February 26th at home versus Colorado. Yeah, and and it's important to note, I think, that what we learned in the last year and a half, the schedule as it is released can be changed. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that it is going to change, Ryan, but like in the old days, okay, if the schedule is out, the schedule is out. And barring like a supreme weather event that forces travel to be curtailed, no games get postponed, no games get rescheduled, there's no significant movement. But I, I, I sure hope that the NHL players participate in the Olympics. That's my personal opinion. But in that stretch, you know, that they went with this, you know, of course there were two schedules, right? They had one with a break for the Olympics and one without a break for the Olympics. And it, at the very least, from a PR standpoint, it makes sense to put this version out with a break so that there is some hope, some optimism. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a signal that there is uh, it's leaning that way as opposed to the other way. It would be easier to move games up than to eliminate games. You know what I mean? Like if, if it yeah. push came to shove and they had to change here, this is the easier way of adjusting the schedule if they had to move it up, if the NHL athletes don't go, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, otherwise, it is a strange thing. In the heart of what you consider hockey season, the Golden Knights would play a grand total of three games in February. For some casual fans, yeah. at least in other markets, you kind of don't even think about the National Hockey League the first couple of months. And not in Vegas, obviously. Everybody here seems to be on board from the first time they drop the puck at a scrimmage at rookie camp. But, uh, you know, for some markets, <laughs> yes. it really doesn't come around until February uh, that you start to see, all right, who's in the playoff picture, who's not, and that it would kick in February 25th. And therefore, uh, the, the overall schedule uh, doesn't conclude until April 29th. Um, normally it would be sort of that first 10 days of April. So uh, it, it does take us a little bit deeper into the spring than it normally would. But that that's a few weeks there. I mean, the, the Olympics are on the other side of the planet. It's not like it's here in the United States or even North America, which means that the travel uh, has to um, account for the travel over and the travel back and reacclimating and teams to then sort of have a, a return to play type of training camp type of thing for a few days. Uh, like you say, the, the Golden Knights out of that long break, uh, they play Feb 1, which is a Tuesday at home against Buffalo, Feb 25, yeah. a Friday in Arizona. So you're going to have the team here for a couple of days, I'd imagine, practicing before that game in Arizona. Yeah, and then once you get back into action in late February, it is a sprint to the finish through March and April. The Golden Knights will embark on their longest road trip of the season between March 8th and March 15th. That's going to be a five-game road trip to Philadelphia, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Winnipeg. Yeah, and 
when you go through all these dates in March, I mean, March looks like, you know, it, there's there's only 30 <laughs> days, uh, but, but it looks like it's like a 40-day month or something, the way that they've crammed so many games in there. And the only break where the Knights have more than one day between games is at the very end of the month. They do not play the 27th, 28th, or 29th. But that yeah. is the longest break <laughs> the whole rest of the season after the Olympic which, break. Which is amazing because they play 16 games in the month of March. Right, exactly. It's, I mean, that just goes to show the first, you know, three and a half weeks there, it is, it's basically, if you have to ask yourself, are the Knights playing today? The answer is probably <laughs> yes, that, that whole stretch yes. there. And, it's, and, you know, the good news from it, it you look at some of the, the home games uh, and that you, you are, uh, you, know, you don't have any of the, the, the big uh, long trips once they come back from Winnipeg. That's the weird one, right? So we were talking a little bit about this off the air where uh, you've got sort of a normal-looking road trip in Philly, in Buffalo, in Pittsburgh, in Columbus. That would be fine. But then at the end of the trip, they play in Winnipeg. So instead of just being four games in sort of the, the northeast, sort of eastern Midwest, then they end up in Winnipeg before coming back home. That's a little strange uh, to, to cap a road trip with a, a random game across the border like that, uh, especially one away from the Northeast Corridor. So that that's the last significant uh, trip. Now, they do have still road games at Minnesota, at Winnipeg, uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier, at Seattle for a pair, at Vancouver, and then they finish the season, uh, you know, with at San Jose, at Vancouver, at Calgary. But the point is, though, that is the last big trip there in the bulk of March. There aren't any long road trips. Um, you know, th- th- that's the last big road trip in the middle of the month of March, the 8th, the 10th, 11th, 13th, 15th. As I mentioned, Philly, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Winnipeg. <laughs> and then for the Golden Knights, it is another condensed month in April. It's going to be a lot of hockey in the final two months of the season. As you mentioned, Dan, the season for the Golden Knights will conclude on Friday, April 29th against the St. Louis Blues. And for the Golden Knights, that is the, the beginning of, of really where their quest uh, starts. And, and that is the regular season. You know that the Golden Knights are going out there. They want to be one of the best teams in the league. But the quest for Vegas and really where they're going to be measured is in their playoff success. And it'll be interesting to see how they get from from October 12th to Friday, April 29th, and how they navigate next season, setting themselves up for hopefully another deep playoff run. When we come back, the Sam and Ash Legal Minute is up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash of Sam and Ash Injury Law, though today it's just Ash, so you know what that means. It's the dream team together again, Ash and Ryan. We, you know, I, I love the fact that you and I are building this rapport while, while Darren Millard is out of the country because by the time he gets back, he's not going to know what hit him. It's going to be you and me and Sam running the show with Millard on the outside. <laughs> He'll play catch up. <laughs> yeah, 100, I love it. 100%. So I, before we kind of get into the topic today, I, I do want to get your take and your thoughts on the Seattle Kraken. Yesterday, a big day expansion draft for Seattle. And the interesting thing 
to me going into that event is that we already knew who the team was. We already knew who the players were because of the leaks. Did, did that kind of sour the experience, you think, for some fans? Absolutely. I didn't tune in. Why, why am I going to sit and watch a TV broadcast showing an expansion draft when I already know all, there's no more suspense, there's no more drama, it's gone. I know who's getting picked. And, I mean, that's the whole point of these draft shows is to build up the, the suspense and make it dramatic, and it was gone. Poof. You know, what's funny, though, is that we did get a piece of news we didn't know going into that show, and that is that the Seattle Kraken will open up their inaugural season here in Vegas against the Golden Knights. And, you know, I, I think that that's an interesting choice by the NHL to have the last two expansion teams play against each other. But I'm really looking forward to what Seattle is going to look like on the ice and their first introduction to Vegas. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I like what they're doing. I, I, I thought about it and thinking, okay, let's have the two newbies face off. And um, I like, and also it's Vegas. Where, what other way to welcome Seattle into a league when, um, than other than Vegas? So I'm excited to see them hit the ice. I think it's great for the sport. It, it helps, um, I think, create new fans. When there's new teams, new hockey fans can join into the party. They don't feel like left out. They don't feel like this forced club where they don't know anything there's no um intimidation so i like it I, I love the fact that we've added a team and we're hopefully going to increase a and add a giant fan base yeah it's growth by the nhl which is fantastic but it's going to be interesting to see how seattle deals with the weight of expectations because the golden knights have been so good since their inaugural season I'm not sure that, that the the expectation should be the same for the Seattle Kraken as they are right now for the Vegas Golden Knights or, or what they what Vegas has turned those into. Well, I agree. Vegas is an anomaly. If you look throughout all professional <laughs> sports and expansion teams are never as successful so quickly as the Golden Knights were um, in season one and the following few seasons. I mean, this is we're unique. And so it's going to be tough, I think. The Knights have set the the bar and the standard and expectations really high, and it's up to Seattle to create that interest for fans regardless of outcome these first few years. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It'll be very interesting to see, but as we shift gears a little bit getting into our topic today, uh, it's an interesting story, and it kind of piggybacks a little bit off of the the discussion that we had surrounding Connor McDavid. I'm sorry, Connor McGregor and his alleged injury going into a UFC event. But basketball player Miles Powell has sued Seton Hall coach Kevin Willard and a staff member for failing to diagnose a knee injury during his senior season. The suit alleges Powell was misdiagnosed with an ankle injury early in the 2019-20 season when it was actually a lateral meniscus tear to his knee. Uh, it, what's interesting to me about this is that there would be injections, painkiller injections, so that he could go out and play. And so I, I, I guess what's the culpability in this situation for the player in, in getting injections, going out, playing on an injury, and then coming back and saying, well, I was misdiagnosed? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, um, I, you know, I played college sports. I unfortunately had injuries, knee injuries, ankle injuries. I had injections, I had surgeries, and, you know, as an athlete, there is some risk you assume every time you step on the court that there is some injury that you're not aware of or that you've just taped up because that's what you're told and you haven't investigated it further. 
Um, so there is some level of culpability on Miles Powell for continuing to play if his pain levels were so severe. You know, there is an expectation that you will continue to seek out further medical guidance. But if his doctors knew, the, the issue really becomes if his doctors knew it was a knee injury, knew from an MRI or something similar exactly what the diagnosis was, and then they were misrepresenting that or lying to him intentionally, that's a problem. But for, from what I've read, it doesn't quite seem that way. So then, like, what what's accomplished here in in kind of going this direction and pushing for a trial by jury? Like, if if it doesn't appear that there was maybe negligence or mismanagement here, what are the avenues? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I'm looking at here is he he obviously feels like he was hurt and had his his medical treatment gone differently. His professional career, his postgraduate career professionally would have been totally different. The NBA would have sought him out. And, in fact, they didn't, and he wants to blame it on something. And so he's looking at this injury, and he's going, had this injury been handled and treated correctly, I would have been draftable by the NBA, and I wouldn't have missed out on this professional career. But I think that's, I think that's a problem, and I don't think it's really speculative. And so um, juries don't like speculative damages you need to prove some actual physical damage that you were going to receive and that's going to be tough for this player to prove you know being drafted is not guaranteed being signed and retained through a season and earning that salary that's not guaranteed you know you never know what injury lies ahead right after and so um i what what it looks like here is he's probably hoping to get a settlement out of court from the university and the doctors or whoever was involved and is actually being sued and not not so, take it all the way to a jury. But it's a tough case. So just in terms of a settlement, like, is it usually something that, that kind of gets paid out over the course of of a, a an injured person's lifetime, or is it more just kind of a one-and-done type of settlement? Because, you know, if, if this is an injury pre- pre- preventing this player from playing at a high level, creating an income for himself, uh, is there a better way or, or one that makes more sense from the financial standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. So you can, with settlements, you can either take on a lump sum, usually right right out of the gate, right when it's done. It's kind of like a lottery. So you know how lotteries, you either can take the lump sum or you can do structured payments. And that's the yeah. same with settlements. You can, you can do these. You take your net recovery from the settlement and you invest it. And you can figure out with your lawyer, your family, what amount of money you need, what duration um, and how those payments, how frequently and how long you need them through life to actually, in, it'll make, it'll help your settlement grow over time and actually be worth more, but it also makes sure you don't blow it right away. And this is a common thing we, we work with when dealing with minors and their settlements rather than give them the total settlement right when they turn 18. We do like a college plan where four times a year they basically get tuition payments for the four years after high school and, and so on and so forth. But you can structure them however you want to ensure um, that you're paid throughout life. Now, and, and just one last question that I had as I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this. It, it, are there any differences in terms of, of the risk assumed by the athlete or what the athlete can kind of determine is, is worth um, throwing into a lawsuit because the athlete is a college athlete as opposed to a professional athlete? Are there different rules, different structures for uh, collegiate versus professional athletes? 
not necessarily different rules, but it, it goes back to the provability of um, his damages. If he was already a professional basketball player and earning, let's just say, the league minimum every year throughout his career for four years, and then he gets misdiagnosed and this injury, he plays on it, and it, it causes him to be out for the rest of his career, now he can point to the jury and say, look, I was making the league minimum for the past four years, and but for this misdiagnosis and exacerbation of my injury, I would have continued to make that amount for, let's say, the average fan of any NBA player. And that's how you can calculate the damages. Here, he's a college player, and most college players don't go on to the NBA. That's incredibly interesting. Thank you for clearing that one up for me, Ash. Now, um, I know that if there's someone listening right now, if they are in a situation, they need a lawyer, how can they best get in touch with you? Oh, you know, salmonashlaw.com or 702-820-1234. We're available 24-7, weekdays, weekends, holidays, you name it, we're here um, and if you have any weird, off-the-wall, crazy question and you're just not sure what to do, give us a call. Let us help you through it. Um, you don't have to do that on your own. We're here to help. Great stuff, as always. Ash, thank you so much for joining me here, and enjoy the rest of your night. Oh, you too, Ryan. It's always fun. That is Ash from Sam and Ash Lynn Injury Law. Give them a call at 702-820-1234 or visit them online at salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the BGK Insider Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at salmonash.com because you deserve what's right.